I invite you to join me in Colossians 3. Colossians chapter 3, verses 16 to 17. Even as I was reading those, you may have recognized them. They're familiar verses. Verses that I know that I, as a young man, earned, learned early on uh, in Patch Club and Sunday School. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the word of God. Even this evening as we turn our attention to this passage, we rejoice that we know that it is not the thoughts of men that we are studying, but it is the word of God. It is a solid foundation. These are words that are living and active. And so, Heavenly Father, I pray that even this evening as we come to this passage, that we would approach it with that mindset, recognizing that these are your words and that you are at work in them. Our desire this evening, Lord, is that you would be honored. So I pray that you would guide my thoughts and my words, give me authority and clarity as I preach the word of God, that your name may be lifted high. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, this evening we're returning to our theme of the year, the idea of singing a new song. And we started the year by walking through the psalms, several of the psalms that reference that phrase, sing a new song, for God has done marvelous things. And as we worked our way through that, we, we noted that, that the idea of singing a new song, it is not just literally tied to the idea of only singing. Rather, behind that, there's the idea of as a, as a Christian, this is the way that you are living, that you are responding to God in worship, in all that you do. And so as Christians, we do sing a new song, day in and day out. Everything that we do, motivated by what Christ has done for us, by who we are as new men in Christ. As we turned our attention to the New Testament, we looked to Romans 8 earlier on in this year. And we first saw that this new song that we are singing, we are singing as sons, as heirs of God in Christ, fellow heirs with Christ. Those who cry out, Abba, Father. We saw that our, our song is hopeful. Because the, the things that we go through in this life, the sufferings that we face, are nothing compared to with what God has promised us in Christ, as we see in Romans 8, 16. So we sing with an eternal focus. We also saw that we sing that our hope cannot be taken away, as the end of Romans 8 reminds us. That there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ. And so as we've been meditating on this idea of who we are in Christ, responding to that, living according to that, singing a new song with our lives, this evening we come to Colossians 3, verses 16 to 17. And really, 
The context goes all the way back to Colossians 3, verse 1. Where it says this, If you then, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. If this is true, if you have been raised with Christ, if you have been made new, if God has done all of this in you, even as we saw this morning at the end of Hebrews 13, that God has fully provided for us in Christ, If this is true, then do not seek the things of this world. But seek the things that are above. Live like what you say you believe is true. The things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So Paul spends all of Colossians 3 focusing on that. And then you come to verses 16 to 17. With that in mind, that mindset of of living according to who you are in Christ, if this is true, seek the things that are above. What does that look like? Verse 16 to 17. One thing that it looks like is this. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. As we look at this passage this evening, we'll see that we are called to worship in wisdom and to worship in thankfulness. First thing we see is a call to worship in wisdom. Verse 16. The verse starts this way. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Let the word of Christ. We have to start with that little word, let. This is not a request. Right? Can you please let? But let it happen. It is not passive. Right? The word does not just automatically or accidentally dwell in you. It's something that you have to pursue. You have to fill your mind with the word of God. This passage is a, it's a demand, it's a call to active interaction with the word of God, to active memorization, to active reading. Make it so that the word dwells in you. And richly at that. Then we have to ask the question, what is the word of Christ? I've been using the phrase, the the word of God. We would understand that as the Bible. It is the gospel, the message that Christ preached. At the time when this was written, they did not have the, the New Testament form of what we have today. So what Paul is saying here is is let this message that Christ preached, that you hear the apostles teaching, the message of Christ, the word of God, let it dwell in you. That is what we would understand today as the word of God, as the Bible. The thing that is effective, that is working. As 2 Peter 1, the end of 2 Peter 1 reminds us, that did not come to us by the desire of men, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. 
2 Timothy 3, 16-17. It is this word of God that is effective. That is perfecting us. That is thoroughly equipping us for all that God has given to us. It is this word of God, as Hebrews 4 reminds us, that is sharper than a two-edged sword that is active in us. Brothers and sisters, the word of God is powerful. It is a powerful thing. And it is at work, and God has given it to you. And so let that word of God dwell in you. The idea of to dwell is to take up residence in, to permeate every aspect of your life. Have you ever walked into someone's house and just it has a distinct smell? It's not necessarily a bad smell, but it's just a distinct smell. Like my grandparents in North Carolina, their house has a smell. I can't describe it to you, but I just, I know it. I can be in some random spot and I'll smell that smell and it'll remind me of my grandparents' house in North Carolina. Some houses just have that, that smell. It looks a certain way. There is evidence of the people who dwell in there. If the word of God dwells in you, you will have a certain smell. It will permeate every aspect of your life. And I think we have to ask ourselves at this point, if I am honest with myself, is the word of God at home in me? Or does it feel foreign, out of place? Does it dwell? Does it take residence in your life, in your heart? And richly at that, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, without limit, liberally. You can almost think of someone who's not hiding their wealth, but they are flaunting it almost irresponsibly. They just want everyone to know. the word of God dwell in you like that where it is just overflowing where you want everyone to know people cannot hang around you and 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 leave without recognizing that the word of God is at work in that person God is doing something here he is changing them from the inside out this is the first step brothers and sisters of worshiping in wisdom is letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Dr. Newman has a quote. I can't remember exactly where I heard him say it from, but I know that he's the one who said it. He said, you can only draw on what you know of Scripture. If you don't know your Bible, you can't draw from that. You can't take encouragement from that. You can't encourage others from that. You can't grow. Brothers and sisters, we must be people of the word. We must be those who let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. In all wisdom, 
What is wisdom? Wisdom is not just knowing the truth. There are people who know a lot of things, but they are not wise. And there are people who don't know a lot, but they are wise. Because wisdom is not just about what you know, it's about how you apply what you know. So let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, not just knowing the truth, but then being able to rightly apply the truth. What does that look like? It's when the word dwelling in me is teaching and admonishing. It is encouraging and confronting. It is informing and correcting. It's not just that I know the word of God, but that the word of God is at work in me. It is teaching, informing, and it is admonishing, correcting, confronting all along molding me into the image of God. And yet notice that it's not just about me. But let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. See the importance here of community. Christian, you are not meant to walk alone. Even as we come to the Lord's table this morning, this evening, there's a reason why we do it together as a congregation instead of just sending you home with the elements to do yourself. It's done in community to one another, proclaiming to one another, my God is risen from the grave. I serve a risen Savior. His blood was shed for me and he is coming again. We are reminding one another of the gospel. And as we do that, we have opportunity not just to teach, but to admonish. I tell you guys this every time we have a baptism. And a baptism, it's not just the person being baptized that is participating, but you as the church are participating as witnesses. You are saying, I will hold this person accountable. On this day, I am am a witness to their baptism, to their proclamation of faith. And should I see them straying, I will go to them. I have a responsibility in this. Because we need one another. Part of knowing the word of God and letting it to work in me, part of worshiping in wisdom, if you will, is teaching and admonishing one another. And one of the ways that we do that, as we see in this passage, is through singing. I've mentioned this before as well. The song service of our church, that is is not just kind of warming you up for the sermon. Now, Lord willing, the service is This is designed so that it is helping to get your mind engaged and to lead you to that point. But it is important. That is not a time to check your messages, to change your fantasy football lineup. That's important. You are praising the Lord God together. You are making a proclamation to those around you. You are ministering to them. You may not think you're ministering to them. You might think you're a terrible singer, and this is not at all a ministry. 
but they need to hear you singing, praising your God. Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. There's lots written on trying to dis- figure out what each one is mentioned here. Psalms is easy, right? We know what the psalms are. The psalms are divine in nature. They are the words of God. Through the pen of David and other psalmists. The psalms are one of my favorite portions of scripture. They give a voice to so many of the things that we go through. And the Lord has given that to us. Take advantage of that, brothers and sisters. Know the Psalms. Let them dwell in you richly. Sing to one another in Psalms. What about hymns? Hymns are likely established songs of praise that are not Psalms. So Psalms are are divine. God has written them. They are in Scripture. Hymns are taking the truth, but it's written by a human author. Taking the truths of the Word of God. We sing lots of hymns by Fanny Crosby and other great hymn writers from the past and the present. Those who are able to skillfully take the Word of God and fit them into lyric and tunes and all those other musical words that I don't understand, but put them together so that they beautifully proclaim the glory of God. Spiritual psalms here are likely a more personal utterance. More along the lines of a a testimony. I don't know about you, but there's been some times where we're singing a song. And it just is really touching my heart. And sometimes I will pause at that moment and instead of singing with all of you, I will listen to you sing. And while you are singing, I will just pray to the Lord. Lord, this is true. And this is on my heart. Help me to know this, to see this. A spiritual song, something that is more personal in nature. A response, a personal response, a testimony. Worship the Lord in wisdom. Know the truth. Apply the truth. Sing the truth. Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Grace in your hearts. This is a a response to God, letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. This response of singing, it's not coming from a place of, listen to how good I can sing. Let me do this to draw attention to me. Look at me. But it's coming from a place of grace. It is motivated by the grace of God. It is characterized by grace for others. And it is directed to the Lord. With grace in your hearts to the Lord. We are singing, we are teaching, we are admonishing one another. Yet even as we are doing this together and we are proclaiming these truths and community to one another, reminding each other of the truth, ultimately our focus is on the Lord. 
It is his name that we are lifting high. Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So worship and wisdom. But then verse 17, worship and thankfulness. They really take it here out of, the, out of the realm. Verse 16 is really focused. Uh, you have the word singing in there. You have psalms, you have hymns, you have spiritual songs. It's almost, you, you can almost picture it focused in something like this. A gathering of the saints in community. It is what we would more traditionally think of the act of worship. But verse 17 takes a step beyond that. Really, and whatever you do, not just when you're gathered in community, but in whatever you do. And unless you don't understand what he means by whatever you do, he really kind of narrows it down, even in word or in deed. In every little word that you speak, in every little deed that you do. No matter how simple or how grand, whatever you do, every word and every deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. To do it in his name is a humble submission to him. It is in his power for God's glory. It's a call to remember who you are and to act consistently with who you are in Christ based on who he is and what he commands. Do all in the name of the Lord. Or as Paul says, for me to live is Christ. I guess Paul says this too, but as Paul says in Philippians, for to me to live is Christ. I can think of many times as a young man when I was going out with my friends or, or going to a sporting event or something. And as I'm leaving the house, my dad would kind of almost jokingly remind me, hey, remember, you're a Robinson. Everything you do reflects on that name, on this family. Remember that when you go out there. That's the idea here. And everything you do and everything you say, remember this, that you are Christ's. There's something different about you. He has saved you. He is changing you. He is molding you into his image. He is at work in you. You have a hope beyond this life. You have a purpose greater. So do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Remember who you are. Remember whose you are. And do all this giving thanks to God the Father through him centrality of Jesus Christ does not subtract from the glory of God. Jesus is central to our Christian life. And yet God gets all the glory. Giving thanks to God the Father through him. A thankful heart. Don't neglect or look down on thankfulness. As we gather as Thanksgiving services, when we, when we give opportunity for testimony, time to give thanks, that is not a time to just take a break. But brothers and sisters, if the Lord is doing something in you, praise him for it. 
Thank him for it. Your brothers and sisters in Christ need to hear that. They need to see the Lord at work in you. So as we think of our theme of the year, a new song, a new hope, a new purpose, thinking of all that God has done in us, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. In all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual psalms, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord, and whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Brothers and sisters, maybe as we've looked at this passage this evening, maybe the Lord has pricked your conscience. Maybe you've lost focus. Maybe you haven't been treating the word of God rightly. Maybe you've been neglecting the importance of being together and singing together, of ministering to one another. Maybe you've been taking lightly your responsibility as a Christian. And I pray that the Lord, through this passage, has opened your eyes to what you are called to. Even as we come to this table in just a second, we have an opportunity to continue doing this. To together proclaim our hope. To together remember what Christ has done for us and to proclaim that he is coming again. Don't take these times lightly. Value it. Cherish it. Your soul needs it. The Lord is at work through his word. So brothers and sisters, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And if you're not doing that, start tonight. Start tonight. Do what you need to do. Maybe you need a Bible reading plan. We've got those out on the Welcome Center. A plan that can take you through the Bible in a year. You're a little behind at this point, but that's okay. You can jump in. Whatever you do, read the Word of God. Soak in the Word of God. Know the Word of God. Let it dwell in you richly. And then respond as we see here in our passage this evening. We're going to transition at this point to our time of communion. We're going to sing the song, Behold the Lamb, as we transition our hearts and our minds to focus on this table that we are coming to. And then Jordan is going to come and lead us in communion.